0: Oh okay. Hey Tally. Hi Sarah. It's uh this is our first time being all techie and figuring out how to do this without um being in the same room with drinks in our hand. I'm nervous. (laughs) Why are you
1: nervous? Something I don't know. I'm not saying something's gonna go wrong, but like (laughs) something's gonna go wrong. I hope we do it right. Well, I mean, I don't care. Whatever. It's oh, a- you don't
0: care. You don't even care about this podcast. Air.
1: Having- <laughs> I need a nap.
0: Well, um, I'm in the whole "I don't give a fuck" phase because uh, Beth and I just got finished with our retreat.
1: Wait! Whoa! Um, whoa! 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 What do you what? mean phase?
0: Well, it's the <laughs> <laughs> so this other voice laughing next to me is Beth Blaskovich. Do you want to say hi, Beth? Hi, everyone. Hi, Tally. Hi, Beth. So you guys are like my two favorite people, and you're now connecting. Yay! Woo-hoo. I know. I'm super excited. I hope we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> it says recording up in the top left. So um, this is our first time recording through Zoom, and it's the first time that Tally and I have not been in the same room to record this cut. This hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. I've had a couple of glasses of prosecco, um, some prosecco cocktails.
1: Ooh, have you ever had a French seventy-five? Ooh, those are
0: delicious. Yes,
1: Ooh. she's going
2: to have a French seventy-five when she comes with me to Steamboat this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm coming to Steamboat. So yes, we're it's, trucking I, away from Montana.
1: You're gonna love it.
0: Okay. Well, I just took her for, like, a Prosecco with bitters and, what is it, Angostino or whatever's in it? Um,
2: oh, yeah. Bitters and um, rosé
1: vermouth or yeah. vermouth or something.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. So, Beth and I had two because Tally was taking a really long time buying fucking cat food.
1: Well, it was a lot of other things. In preparing for guests coming on Wednesday, it's like, oh, yeah, I should probably, I don't know, like, buy curtains for the... <laughs> I've been living in for the last year. <laughs>
0: oh, that's sweet of you to buy curtains for them, but not for me when I came to stay.
1: Nah, you don't <laughs> curtains.
0: Um, Here, I'm going to try to do video because we want to see you. Oh, no, it won't let
1: me. You don't want to see this space.
0: Ask to start video. Did you get a, something that popped up?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to press later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, you're such a C-U-N-T.
1: If you we just want. got off
0: a retreat. We don't look. We that. look amazing. Oh! There she is. I hate your phone so much. It's so yours. I don't see you. Oh. There. Oh.
1: I can't. I don't see you at all.
2: You have to hit yours.
0: I am. Let's see how you do oh. it. Oh. Oh, well, I don't. Well, we're going to look at you. <laughs> Wait, oh. did you just leave? Oh, you muted her. Unmute her quick. I didn't mute her. You unmute. No, she muted herself. Oh, I I muted myself. <laughs> oh, you bitch. Okay. Um, well. Um. By the way, this is uh Sarah Russell.
1: Hi, I'm Tally, and I'm sticking to it. It's
0: Tally Hogreaves.
1: <laughs> Listen. I don't say my last name because it's something I've never ever done in my life and it just feels awkward to me and it feels very formal for something that's very informal. Hey! Oh, can you see us? Yes. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. Hi! You're a little more silhouetted. More silhouetted. Here. I'll close my curtain. Curtain? I think there's a T in curtain.
0: Uh, I live in Montana and there's, they're curtains.
1: Oh, okay. Like wow. we'll
0: You know what, we've <laughs> been drinking. It's really hard <laughs> it's to like shut God. them right <laughs> <of our> now. <laughs> That's okay. like too small of a human being to like actually reach the top of the curtain right now. Oh, so this, yeah, so we have a guest today, don't we, Tali? We do. You're yourself, guest? Guest? Guest, <laughs> <laughs> <You're> introduce
2: <doing yourself. laughs> Um, My name's Beth. Blaskovich. <laughs> I'm also not into
0: last names. See, see. What is wrong with you people? I'm Sarah Russell, and do you know how many Sarah Russells there are in the world that still does not differentiate me from anyone else?
1: So then it doesn't matter if you just say Sarah, then. Ugh, fuck off, Tally. I'm going to win this one. Mm, you're trying real hard.
0: <laughs> um, if you hear, like, a snorting noise, it's me drinking from my water bottle. It keeps making weird noises.
1: There. Especially when you hear the weird noise. <laughs> But like a clown car. <laughs> it did sound like a clown car. <laughs> it did make a weird. You're still drinking out of that bottle. No, I'm
0: not. Are you shaking your head at me, Telly?
1: Oh yeah, I should. Okay, so since it's all audio, we should have like Telly is now shaking her head in disappointment. <laughs>
0: Commentary. Right, it's sheer disappointment of Sarah's comment. Yeah, but that's just like every day. That's like everything I say. You're shaking your head. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, Beth Blaskovich, last name included, is our guest today. At some point, we're going to talk about neurosculpting, but we'll probably gab for a little bit, right? But Beth, will you, will you explain what neurosculpting is? Because so many of us don't know. So Neurosculpting
2: is a type of meditation that is based on the neuroscience of the brain. And it follows a five-step pattern where we really take our brain science into account and how best we learn. And so uh, the first step is calming the limbic part of our brain so that we're not in a state of fight or flight or freeze, but we're actually getting ourselves into that parasympathetic state. And then the second step is activating our prefrontal cortex. So we're into that place of um, novelty and curiosity, and we're ready to learn, and we're ready to build neural pathways around the third step, which is the story that we're going to tell in the meditation. And then the fourth step is to build an um, access point to our meditation by using um, signals with our non-dominant hand and the fifth state step excuse me uh is to name our meditation and build an access point for our meditation
1: that's really awesome because i've seen it offered in places uh not not just not actually i mean sometimes studios but just uh like massage incorporated in areas like that I wanna say. Maybe I'm wrong. Um but um, like tile no. and stuff, but I've never really understood what it was and I think I was confusing it with like cranial sacral uh, <laughs> therapy. Totally different.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so. Neurosculpting is a trademark modality. Um and it was introduced um and created by my friend Lisa Wimberger at the Neural Sculpting mm. Institute in Denver. In Denver.
0: It's like mm-hmm. a Colorado thing. Yep. And, um, so
2: she trains world sculpting facilitators (laughs) to go out into the world and to spread this pretty amazing modality of meditation. Uh, I love it because I'm not the type of person that can shut off your brain. As soon as I go and do meditation and someone says, eliminate all thoughts, I think 400 will come rushing in (laughs) and then I'm totally. Well,
1: yeah, and who (laughs) can really do that anyway? I mean, that's like. So silly, but um okay, that's really cool. So what now I have a million questions. <laughs> but
0: yeah, I love that you confused cranial sacral massage <laughs> and
1: neurosculpting. I'm pretty sure it was that one. It might have been something else, but I want to say that was probably it.
0: Well, see, my image that I get from neurosculpting is like a really sexy brain with like, you know, in like a fitness model competition with high heels and a really bad tan. Oh. <laughs> you know, like you're you like serious? yeah, you're all sculpted. Your brain's like super fit.
1: Oh my
2: so god! Have, like, the yeah, we, like, flex our brain. Where muscles. we flex our
0: brain brain muscles. I thought that that's okay. what it was.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Um. So you know what's funny is um, Beth just got off of the Arise Festival that was in Fort Collins, uh, Colorado. Right, Fort Collins. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and we, she and I were having a conversation, well, you know, Tally, how we like to make fun of yoga people constantly, because we are the biggest of yoga people, I mean, you know, the woo-woo kind, Uh uh-oh, your face just froze, oh, where'd she go, I might have to undo this, um, we are gonna pause, hello, hello, are you there,
1: I'm here, but the video is too much. Yeah. It's okay.
0: That's good. We'll we'll get better audio this way. So don't worry. Um so what I was saying, I don't know what you heard, but Beth was um at the rise. Yeah, so Beth was just at a rise festival and Beth and I got into the whole conversation about festival goers and um as you know Tally, I used to teach at a lot of festivals and um you obviously have been to a lot of festivals. And, um, it's just kind of this weird juxtaposition when, when it's, you're a facilitator of a practice in the sea of fucking waste waves that are like, you know, trying really hard to be spiritual, but they're hopped up on all sorts of, uh, psychedelics, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I don't, I haven't been to a yoga spiritual festival um where that was going on <laughs> wait is, is um arise it, it's more of a music festival though, right like um
0: arise is
2: dubbed an enlightenment festival so it really <laughs> consists of um both yoga workshops music all that kind of stuff so um yeah, it's it's a little bit of everything.
0: And so maybe, Tally, it fits in the vein of um, you know, our whatever gets you to yoga conversation, right? So maybe yeah. these people are there for the music and they're like, oh, maybe I'll check out this yoga class. And here Beth is sucking in dust, teaching a hundred people how to like enhance their brain. <laughs> in a meditation I mean I'm just getting this visual of this teeny tiny those of you that don't know Beth um she's like the cutest teeny tiny little blonde and I can just imagine her on a stage mic'd up and being like all right we're gonna do some meditation now and like people are just dancing and yelling didn't you say somebody's yelling in the back
2: yeah there was some dude um going all crazy in the back and my lovely boyfriend was trying to hush him so that I could meditate a hundred <laughs> people. Uh, it was it was like kind of chaos. Uh, it, it was an interesting experience because that night, or Friday night, I decided I was going to be really good and go to bed early and not stay out and watch the music and party. And so I went to bed and... Oh, lo and behold, in, in my VIP lot, I had the biggest partiers in the lot <laughs> who proceeded to party until 5.30 a.m. and no amount of earplugs would change that scenario. So um, that was awesome. And then at about 7.30 a.m., you have the piercing sun in your tent and you are up and out and ready to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, you <it sounds laughs> like camping to me. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Um, Well, I think, first of all, I think that is to be expected, even if it is supposed to be more of a, like, heart opening type festival. So that's not really shocking. And back to your comment, Sarah, with, I don't remember what you were saying, like, if they were on, oh, psychedelics. Oh, I'm totally making that up,
0: too. I I have no idea if anybody. Yeah,
1: but there is. I just assume immediately when I hear festival.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no matter what the festival, the festival could be like the you know, like a Kundalini meditation situation, and I'd be like, Ah, oh, they're on drugs, and that's a safe assumption. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, but I don't think there's really anything wrong with that because it is showing proof that people who are depressed, um, are actually feeling much better and more enlightened and more happy when they are on psychedelics. So, to me, if you're going to be on psychedelics, that's probably. A good place to do it at and go into a meditation like the one Beth does. I mean, I I wouldn't poo-poo that in any way. I know a lot of people who are depressed and they microdose and are much better people for it. And there is I don't
0: know anything about microdosing. I don't know how this suddenly became a drug conversation, but. Because um, you
1: said wastoids, and I don't think that that was very I know. fair.
0: I I'm such a judgmental bitch, and I thought we got past that in the last uh, episode.
1: I would agree with
2: Tally, though. Um, yeah. Definitely. I think um, it's just, I. what I really like about the festival is, or any festival, is it's just this freedom of expression for people to be who they want to be, you know, so... I mean, I'm sitting there leading this meditation and this dude walks up to the tent and he's dressed like an alien. (laughs) And I'm supposed to just like continue on my path of leading these other hundred people in this state of meditation and looking at this alien guy and wondering what he's thinking (laughs) and what he's going to do next. And all of a sudden he just like pops down on the ground and goes into meditation and I'm like... That's all amazing. I right, have conquered all the alien. The, the alien is down. <laughs> My amazing teacher and mentor, Lisa, I talked to her before I went to Arise, and she briefed me on everything to expect. And everything that she said would happen, oh, it happened. <laughs> oh, it happened.
0: Well, and I was telling Beth, so this was her first um, festival to teach at, and I was telling Beth, I was like, you know, you're really just putting on a live event. It doesn't, you know, like, that's, that's all it is. And that's what every every yoga class, every neurosculpting class that you teach is a live event, and you, you know, it might just be an hour long, or a half an hour long, or two hours long, and um, anything can happen, and you have to keep going. And that's, you know, that in its own way, to me, is, is really utilizing my yoga practice off the mat because, you know, you can have an alien dancing in the middle of your meditation and you have to just pull it together and be like, all right, I'm going to get through this.
1: Right.
0: I mean, you know, like we, I think Tali, you've, you've seen it. We've had it happen in Bali, like really weird stuff. And, um, you know, Beth and I just got off of a retreat this weekend. We had a great time. We had an amazing group of people here in Rob Montana. And wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had a great group, and... It was my mom's
2: first retreat.
0: Yeah, Beth's mom came, and the best thing about it was, I hope, I hope Sue doesn't mind me sharing this, but Sue was so nervous and so worried. Um, I actually met Beth's mom a couple of years ago when I first moved here, and I was leading a yoga series, a yoga class for beginners um, in her town, which is about 45 minutes away, um, and it was at a local gym, and her mom showed up for one or two classes I think out of six and I was like oh god Beth your mom hates me she didn't come back and that's like no no she she just you know she didn't feel like she could do it and she had just had wrist surgery or something right yeah and so um you know this whole time we were planning this retreat we were like it's gonna be really restorative we did a it was called a nature stillness and it was all about um you know, utilizing what we gather from nature into finding our own stillness through meditation, restorative yoga, and neurosculpting. So uh, I've actually never even facilitated a retreat that was this relaxing. It was really wonderful, really amazing. And we had some fun activities too. We went over Beartooth Pass towards Yellowstone. Um, we hiked around, we paddleboarded. Uh, excitingly enough, we paddleboarded and a hailstorm a full on fucking hailstorm came in like as the boards were coming in. And oh, no. oh yeah. Uh were they quarter size, would you oh, say? Oh plus. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Uh as we, you know, we're out of like phone service where I took everyone. So we're two hours out of phone well, we're an hour away from phone service. And so uh I see the clouds rolling in. I'm like, okay, it's time to get off the water. Uh and I'm thinking everyone's having this like really meditative experience floating on the water. And then all of a sudden there's goddamn white caps, man. And Tali, you know what that's like, right?
1: Because <laughs> I was like, oh, nice. You were able to get off the water no. before it got bad. And I'm like, oh, well, no, <laughs> we We did our best.
0: Uh, it, was, it was interesting. But it's funny because one of our students sent us this video of us. Lo- OK, so all the students jumped into the vehicles and were like totally safe and dry. And Beth is in a fucking bikini. Getting no. pelted with hail. That's like, it and hurts. I know. It hurts. It hurts so fast. <laughs> and then I have a towel on. Of course, my 311 cruise towel. Thank you very much. Like <laughs> draped over me. And I'm just like this ogre walking around in a towel over my shoulders and my head. And we're like throwing paddle boards into the car. And I mean, it's comical because you can't even see us because the, the hail and the rain is so thick through the windshield that she's trying to shoot the video through. Right. And then as literally the second we got the last paddleboard in, the sun came out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course.
0: Like, no, immediately. Like, I was like, I don't, because Beth was like, should we wait it out? Should we get in the car? Because she was getting belted. And I'm like, I'm like, Beth, we don't know how long this is going to last. Just go for it, girlfriend. And so right. we're like just throwing things into the van and all of a sudden the skies, it was like blue skies, sun shining, <laughs> birds chirping and golf, golf ball size hail, like all over the ground, you know? Yeah. Like, it never happened. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was an, you know, I've done a lot of retreats. I've taught a lot of paddleboarding, and in Colorado, the weather's very unpredictable as well. And I took them to the most like serene calmest quietest private lake i could find it was stunning stunning. It was stunning yeah absolutely stunning and you guys got a good hour on the water right yeah
1: yeah oh, that's a good that's a good amount of time yeah uh, but the, trying you know, to do that for, sorry go ahead
0: oh i was gonna say the white caps really took took the <laughs> meditation out of things oh, at yeah. the very end
1: tom's always like he's like hey um, they um, have a paddleboard school here for little kids to teach them how to um, paddleboard on Clear Creek here in Golden. He's like, you should do it. And it's like, I am an adult. So I have a lot of fear and I am not going to paddleboard down Clear Creek where it's like rapids. <laughs> yeah, that's in whitewater. I know. But it was so funny because I have seen the kids and they really, they are awesome. I mean, they're about 12, I would say between eight and 12. And uh, when they get to the rapids and where it like kind of drops down, they drop down to one knee and put, I think they um, either have the oar completely out for balance. Yeah. Or, like up on the board on one side yeah like they're holding on to it though but they're kneeling down on one knee and the other knee is bent at a 90 degree angle and they swim right through it i mean they it it it's really fascinating but for me i know that all practice would just be washed away (laughs) out of fear and i would just dive right into the water lose my paddle board lose my paddle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't even have any desire to do that. I like being on the lake and just kind of hanging out and, um, which I was hoping to do today, but a storm also is building and blowing through. So womp, womp. Have has, uh, Beth ever done this or it, maybe, maybe this is a new idea to do, um, neurosculpting meditation on a paddleboard in the water?
0: Well, I think that might've been our original idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Um, It it could have been incredibly useful in the situation um, for some of our participants, but it was...
0: You know, the people that I was most worried about, Beth's mom being one of them, so I think, let me get back to Beth's mom being a badass. So her mom was so scared of going on this retreat. Didn't your dad pull you aside? Yeah. What, What happened with your dad? My
2: dad pulled me aside the day
0: before to let me know... That my mom had a
2: lot of fear around the retreat um, because it was her first retreat. I think she pictured it was going to be a lot of like twenty-something, right? You know, fit. Oh, that was her fear. I think so. I'm not sure, but just these very fit, fit yogis that doing vinyasa the whole time. You know, right. Um, hand
1: standing
2: for hours on end, and <laughs> well,
1: uh, honestly, that's how I felt when I went on my first retreat with Sarah. And I, I was like, I know I teach yoga, but um, I'm not the quintessential like the Instagram yogi model that we all are jealous of. And uh, so I was really nervous, thinking that it was going to be all these top notch hardcore yogis that also handstands all day like that's just how they walk and um, <laughs> and it wasn't that way at all and so um, I feel like everyone has that fear um, any of their first times I have a friend um, that's talking about going on her first retreat and she's really nervous about it and I, so I'm kind of talking her through it and it's like it's not anything that you're expecting or any judgment that you already have about the retreat is it's gonna fly out the window five minutes in and so kind of talking her off the ledge and like telling her it would be a really good thing for her to do so all right Uh, so I don't know let's uh
0: I don't know Tally. I didn't know a lot about neurosculpting until I mean, I knew enough about it because I, I taught at a studio where there was neurosculpting and I had definitely like dipped a toe in neurosculpting before, but I didn't really understand it fully. And, and I got to learn a lot from Beth this weekend. It was amazing. And Beth, do you have any highlights you want to share about neurosculpting or what you feel like if you had to do an elevator pitch? And I mean, we kind of worked on your elevator pitch and you're like, wait, that's really long. Oh, yeah.
1: But I have questions. Should I ask? Oh, that's even better. I love it. Bring it on. Questions. Well, I just didn't know if maybe your um, explanation, well, I mean, you kind of had that explanation earlier. So that's where all these questions were kind of sparked from. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it would be answered in whatever you have to say about it or, um, I don't know. (laughs) Well, you (laughs) should ask questions. I like that (laughs) idea. So how long is a typical meditation?
2: So, you know, meditations are anywhere from 10 minutes to 20 minutes that I, I lead guided meditations. When you're doing it on your own and you've really worked on um, understanding those five steps and moving through them on your own, you can make them as long as you would like. Okay. Or as, short as you would like. Um, the key to it all is really the, the five steps. Uh, yeah the story I have <laughs> in the meditation doesn't change but or uh, sorry the story within the meditation can
1: change but the five steps don't now do you do all five steps in the in within inside that 10 to 20 minute meditation or is this something that you lead up to
2: Um, So at the retreat, what I did was um, I started the first night with just what we call the induction only. And the induction is the first two of the five steps. So that's the process of calming the limbic part of your brain and really telling yourself that you're safe, addressing all the ways in which you're safe, and then activating the prefrontal cortex Um, So just those two steps alone really get us into that state of parasympathetic and calms our nervous system, brings our resources back to our midline, reduces our stress hormones. So I started there because, you know, a lot of people are really new to meditation and don't really know how we're going to go about this. So it's a really nice way to start the process. And then when you go into the full meditation, that's when you would use all five of the steps. Okay, Mm -hmm.
0: that sounds so cool. I can't. Sorry, I disappeared and was peeing. You couldn't hear me flush, could you? No. (laughs) Is that talking? Okay. (laughs) Perfect. Yay! That's voice drowns out the toilet.
2: So neurosculpting is really the idea that we are creating neural pathways every day with everything that we do. Every thought that we have every skill that we learn we're creating new neural pathways and some of these neural pathways are super amazing and awesome and serve us in great ways like learning new things learning how to play instruments when we first learned even how to tie our shoes but then there's neural pathways that really don't serve us and those are those stories that we tell ourselves about how we're not good enough or limiting beliefs and some of those stories are based in trauma that we've had in our lives that we continue to relive. And the more that we relive those stories or we relive that trauma, we're just creating a stronger neural pathway. And so this is really based on the idea if we're gonna create neural pathways, why not make the choice to create new and positive neural pathways and access those instead of accessing the stories that don't
0: serve us? So that's really what this is grounded in. Yeah. And Tali, what I experienced as a participant in this, I got to take all of her meditations. I found it exhausting because you're literally training your brain, right? Yeah. So in a regular yeah. meditation where I am focused on something um, like my breath or a visualization exercise, which are all wonderful I found this meditation was a lot more challenging and I can see it being harder for people to step into if they don't have any experience in meditation whatsoever. But I feel like just after four days of doing it or three days of doing it, I'm already feeling a shift. Is that even a thing? It's definitely a
2: thing. I mean, every time you access this, you're creating a shift, you know, we're creating that new neural pathway. And we're building it and we're making it stronger. So just in doing it that one time, you created a neural pathway around this. You fired um, this electrical firing and the stimulation through your neurons around this story. So do I have to
0: remember my story so that I can keep that pathway open?
2: I think that it's good if you're working on one particular thing to keep accessing that same story. Yeah. Because it's the same idea of accessing that same story. That's not serving you. Right. Um, We can have many stories with which you're cycling throughout though. And throughout our meditations, when we, you know, make this a long-term practice, that same story may just shift in small ways. And I I would say it's really
0: um, advantageous to go with the shift. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. It really, it really is kind of mind blowing Tally. Like uh, I encourage you to maybe jump into a class while you're, you know, the next time you're in Denver. Yeah. Um, you know, and also what's really interesting is one of the, she's a mentor Michelle. Yeah. So there's a mentor at the Neurosculpting Institute who has really been there with Lisa For quite a while, right? Like since the beginning. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I did, and tell you, obviously, know how I teach restorative classes, and I tell a story. You know, I I bring people on this journey, right? Like we talked about the guest house, um, yeah. Meditation that I lead, which I led this weekend. I haven't led it for three years, and I led it. Oh wow. Yeah, it was intense. Mm -hmm. And did you like that one? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people liked it. Yeah. There was a a a hush over the
2: the retreat goers for a long time even the mosquitoes
0: time. stopped moving
2: yeah i couldn't get the mosquitoes to stop moving <laughs> they destroyed no <me. laughs> know the mosquitoes to silence
0: i know yeah. but i have a little bit more experience in <laughs> mosquito whispering yeah mosquito wrangling <laughs> um no it was uh, just a, you know digression uh, beth was leading the very first meditation of the evening on thursday and all of a sudden so I've lived in Montana. This is my third summer. And, you know, I like it because it's a lot like Colorado. We don't have a ton of mosquitoes and you know, there's like maybe two weeks of mosquitoes when it gets really rainy and then it dries out and everything's great. Well, we've had a really, I mean, it snowed like a month ago here it is, you know, August and um, it, we've had so much rain. And so we've had so many mosquitoes. There's so much standing water that there was a moment where we were like literally running from a swarm of mosquitoes into the into the retreat house, oh and, wow! You know, a couple come in because the door. You know, you open the door and you slam yeah. it in, but there's like you know twelve that follow you in, and so we're just running around just killing mosquitoes. And I don't kill anything, but mosquitoes have no right to live. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's to it's What's been perfect. we in Colorado too. Yeah. So yeah. So it's a very similar climate to Colorado, and. I mean, we had a student from Colorado and she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't yeah. understand. I'm like, I, I and I don't think she believed me when I said this This doesn't ever happen. Um, it was pretty funny. But um, so Beth is being, well, and we're all like zenned out in meditation. And after the meditation, I look at Beth's shoulder and she's got like welts on her shoulder. Wow. And I'm like, what happened? And she's like, well, what, what happened? Oh,
2: it was one mosquito continuously me up, and I wanted to smack the shit out of it, but everyone's in meditation, and that would just <laughs> be horrible. So I'm trying to cup the me- mosquito, <laughs> failing on every attempt. And it's, I mean, seven bites deep. I finally get up and I'm pacing the room, and this mosquito is following me, and I'm trying that to protect tried to not show it in my voice that this is really
0: I'm being yeah. destroyed. As a student we had no idea. Like she she was like, and as you blah blah blah, <laughs>
1: you know, like sing songy total yoga voice. That's so funny that you didn't just like go into full freak out mode and just start fucking you know like <laughs> uh, trying to get the mosquito off of you.
2: <laughs> losing my mind and like Sarah said when they came out I was like Hey everyone, check it out. And yeah. seven huge welts deep. Uh, my mom's putting cream all over my back and oh my God.
0: <laughs> so, so she really got like thrown, thrown into the fire for sure. on <laughs> that, that first uh, retreat meditation. And it's you know, and after that, everything was good. Yeah. was sailing after that. So,
1: <laughs> Hey, I have a question. I don't remember if you said this at the beginning. You probably did, but I don't remember it. How long have you you been doing this?
0: Oh, this is the funny party. Ready? <laughs> so uh,
2: I started um, the classes in Denver at the Neural Sculpting Institute in May. And then I started my practicum in June. And, oh. Uh, yeah, I finished my last practicum July 21st. And then on August 1st, I got in my car and drove to Arise and spoke for a hundred people and meditated.
0: Two- what? And I then, know, right? right?
2: After that, drove to Montana and led this three-day neurosculpting retreat.
0: And this is oh. her very first retreat to facilitate, and she was a fucking gem. She was amazing. Oh, my gosh. I was I was expecting oh. like 10 years. Wow. Well, I know. I she's just one of those people though. Like, okay, and let's let's Beth also teaches, um, she has a a business where she teaches piano and voice. So she's she's a natural teacher, just being around her. Like even when she's instructing you how to get something out of the car, she'll like express it very, very (laughs) fairly. Um, so she's just a natural teacher and you've been talking about sculpting for years. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. I was
1: going to say, how long have you, not
0: year? like a new thing for her. And remember when we, we were talking about our teacher training program, we were like, well, how soon should people teach retreats and teach at festivals and do all these things. And it like, I feel like Beth totally doesn't fall in that category because she's born to teach. She's born to share her gift with people. And this is something that's been on her plate for years and years. And it was, only, she just finally decided to dive in and create the space for it. So, Um, yeah, like you would have, I don't think anyone on a retreat knew that you were a a new grad. There's no way.
1: How, um, how long have you been practicing it and what got you started in it? Um, well,
2: I discovered neurosculpting, um, as I, as I mentioned, um, Lisa Wimberger, the founder of Neurosculpting Institute is a friend of mine. And, um, it was shortly after I had, um, an injury. I was, um, on a mountain skiing and I was struck by a snowboarder and I wasn't wearing a helmet and he put his snowboard into the back of my head. So I had a, a pretty massive injury and a lot of trauma from that and, um, a lot of post-traumatic stress from it as well. And so I found that, um, I discovered girl sculpting and it really helped me with moving through the, the stress of of this injury because my I have a few loves in life but one of the top is skiing and I couldn't imagine a life without skiing ever, ever. So having all this post-traumatic stress and just freaking out on the mountain and going completely in my limbic brain and freezing was just not an option. And so I started using Neurosculpting, and then I started attending a lot of classes that Lisa was doing in Denver when I lived in Denver at the time, and I just really enjoyed it and weaved in and out of the Institute and in and out of classes and toyed with the idea of getting trained and then didn't and then just took the leap and decided in, what year is this? This is 19. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, decided at the end of twenty eighteen, this was this was the next thing. This
0: was what I was definitely going to do. This okay, is- that's yeah, amazing. I you've been sharing it with me for about two or three years. Three yeah. years?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay. I've had a, a an aha moment as soon as you said that. I have a friend, a close friend of mine, that suffered a traumatic head injury. Um, at least six year 5 years ago 6 years ago now and that's what she was doing and i didn't realize that was it and she had uh she hit her head so hard that she lost all sense of smell and wow. they were trying to get it back with neurosculpting and i remember her saying that and i really had no idea what it was at the time and i don't well <laughs> at the time, even up until this podcast. <laughs> and, and I was thinking that it wasn't the same thing, but as soon as you shared your story, I, I immediately went to her in my mind. And that was definitely what she was doing. And she tried it for about a year. She would go probably once or twice a week to try to get her smell to come back. And unfortunately it did not come back. Um, but she does have phantom smells and, uh, things like that, but she really misses it because she is a, an avid cook. And wow. so w- along with losing your smell, um, she so can't a lot of taste yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. She can't really taste. And, and she did think that it was coming back towards the end and then it didn't, but. I wonder if she would have stuck with it. And I don't, I'm not saying that, oh, it didn't work. I I just realized the connection was there. And I, I feel like it was starting to work. And then I don't know, her brain just didn't allow for it to happen. Or maybe her injury was just so hard that it just isn't coming back. And they said, if it, if it wasn't going to come back at this point, it's probably never coming back. And she still um, does not have it to this day, unfortunately. But I feel like she should, should have continued in, except for, you know, I don't know why um, she just thought it would be a good idea that, like, oh, well, it didn't work after a year to not continue. Cause maybe you never know, you know? Hey, you know what I just realized? What? What's the name of our podcast, Hallie? <laughs> I thought you said it at the beginning.
0: I think I just was really forcing you to say your last name. Oh. Beth <laughs> is looking at it. She's like, I don't think he said it.
1: <laughs> Shit, We're really
0: bad at this. This is oh, what happened. It?
1: Namaste and Rose. <laughs> namaste
0: and Rose. Well, you're already listening to the goddamn podcast. So well, you know that's
1: this. why that's the other thing. And it's like, and why do we also have to introduce ourselves? Their names are on there, including last names. Anyway. Hey. Hey, Um, you shut your mouth. (laughs) Hey, I'm going back to, I'm talking about a really good story about neurosculpting. I know, but it
0: just dawned on me. My brain just clicked on and
1: I'm like, oh my God, we didn't introduce the podcast. I think you need some neurosculpting so you can make your brain focus in the same way. Exactly. Yeah. But no, I think that's really cool. I'm glad I made that connection, and so yeah, like a head injury. So so the, that's one of the benefits of neurosculpting as well, right, Beth? the uh, yes head injuries and traumas in that like in Beth. a physical sense. Yes. more than med- uh Mental, I mean.
0: I both both definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. She does a lot of stuff in the class that's like sensory development, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that actually brings me back to the point I was trying to make, I don't know, 25 minutes ago um, about Michelle, one of my first restorative teachers. Um, My very first restorative teacher training that I took was with Shannon Page, and it was um, Anjali Restorative. And Michelle was my mentor and a teacher at the time for that. And um, I was really drawn to Michelle's teaching style and the stories that she wove through the practice. You know... Sort of called my, my my style of restorative that I've coined now as bavana. I recognize after you know over a decade of teaching the style and then now taking that neurosculpting court, like classes this week, really recognizing the influence that neurosculpting has had in my practice as a yoga facilitator without knowing about right. neurosculpting because of the influence of one of my teachers who was a neurosculpt teacher and facilitator. And I just think that's really interesting because, you know, it's funny, I, I busted out my restorative yoga manual and I was like, this I want you to look at this because I have all this information about the brain and you know, all this stuff. And um, it's just, you know, it's funny because I had all this knowledge and training and understanding of this and what the brain does in meditation without ever knowing where I got it. And, you know, Tally and I are really big on on giving props to our mentors and our teachers. And I get to finally say that I think neurosculpting, even though I've never taken a neurosculpting course in my life from, from Lisa, but her influence is very far and wide, I, you know, very far. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. I, I I learned a lot in Denver, but so it kind of crept in probably in a lot of ways. And I just, I really appreciate that I have that, intrinsic knowledge in my practice without even knowing that's where it came from Mm -hmm. isn't that
1: awesome where you don't even realize that there's a component that you are already practicing well and and now
0: i understand it i'm a big um anybody that takes my teacher training knows that i am always like if you you always need to know why you're doing something that's what i love about beth's classes was She's like, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. And how many times have you showed up for a meditation class and you are told, we're going to sit here and meditate for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, but you're not told why. Like, what's happening in my brain right now? I mean, otherwise you go in limbic and you're like, am I doing this right? Um, Am I sitting the right way? Am I breathing the right way? Uh Uh-oh, I had a thought. Uh Oh, there was another thought. Uh Oh, I'm thinking right now. I mean, that's me all the time in meditation when I don't have a guidance, you know? And now I've failed. Yeah. And now I I suck at this and I'm never going to do it again. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that say, oh, I don't do yoga or I don't meditate because it's boring. It's like, there's nothing boring about my meditation at all. I feel like my meditation is so active and rewarding and I'm so grateful it's a part of my everyday. And I probably am getting and gathering bits and pieces of me- of neurosculpting without ever knowing it. And this this makes me really want um, to Tally. Like I think next time I'm in Denver, we should we should take a class. Did I lose Tally? <laughs> <laughs> Tally, are you there? It's awful. I know she's off. Well, we lost Tally, so we're gonna come back. Okay. Well, hi, Tally. Hi. I don't even know what got recorded and what didn't. Holly, <laughs> did you have any other questions about neurosculpting?
1: Um. Okay. Let's see. I think I did, and then all that happened. Then I peed, and <laughs> oh gosh. Let's see. Oh. Okay. Well, I know. I know this is going to sound silly, because we should meditate every day, but sometimes that's not going to happen. Do you, for this method to be effective and reality for most working people, kids, and everything else, would you say three times a week, two times a week, five times a week for ten minutes a day, or like what would be a realistic goal? Because I, I wish I could live in yoga land, but that doesn't always happen, and sometimes I I might forget to meditate or just even take time to slow down my breathing, you know? So, um, and, and just take a, take 10 minutes for yourself. You know, so many of us are like that. Um, women in particular, I feel, but, um, do you have a, a realistic, um, goal in mind for, for something like that? Well, um, So
2: the idea around this is the idea of neuroplasticity and that the more often that you exercise this thought through meditation, the more that you're going to grow this neural network around this new idea, this new belief and rewrite this story. But um, here's the great thing about neural sculpting that I also love is remember I talked about five steps and step. Four is um, creating a hand gesture or tapping with the non-dominant hand during the meditation. Step five is building a linguistic association with the meditation by naming it. So with step four and step five, the really cool thing about these is that these are ways that you can access that meditation in your day-to-day life. So for example, I have this meditation that um, a guided meditation that was done with Lisa when I was in training and it really centers around the idea that all you have to do is breathe that's the only thing that has to happen for you nothing else your only responsibility is to breathe so I have a hand gesture that I created in that meditation and in my day-to-day when things get really heavy, or I'm stressed out, I bring forth that hand gesture, I do that hand gesture. And it reminds me of that meditative state and can bring me back to that place and remind me of that meditation and really calms me. Yeah, so I kind of answered your question in a different way. I mean, of course, the goal is to try to start your day with meditation and, or end your day with meditation, but that's not real, as you said. So having these access points can take us back to that place really quickly in the moment. Wow. Incredible.
1: And, and uh, that was, uh, actually, Answered my second part to that question. Like, is there anything that you can do during the day when you're driving to work and somebody cuts you off, or you're having a rough day or something? So that's really incredible. I can't wait to um, to try this. Oh, I do have another question. Yeah. <laughs> question: How do you know how long this practice has been going on?
2: Well, like I said, it was started by the founder of Neurosculpting, Lisa Wimberger. Would it be on the Neurosculpting website? It would definitely be on the Neurosculpting website. Maybe I can find it while you guys are bullshitting. Yeah,
1: perfect. Yeah, Um, just to know how long it's um, been around. It's fairly
2: new, right? Yeah. So Lisa has written several books about Neurosculpting and about her process with Neurosculpting. Her first book was entitled New Beliefs, New Brain, and it really talks about how she came um, to the ideas of neurosculpting and how she created it to serve herself and her needs um, as she was suffering from seizures that were causing her to go into a freeze state. So, really? Yeah. So uh, the yeah. book is fascinating. This is this is
0: all the really interesting. Tally and so I think I told you I was like having all these weird health issues, right? And I wasn't feeling good and. And I was, I was going through something, um, the last several months I've been calling episodes and it's just so strange that all of this is showing up in my life at once. But I have found out I've been diagnosed with a seizure disorder recently and which is really fucking scary. What's a seizure?
1: Just dis- what do you mean?
0: Well, I mean, it's a form. I have a form of epilepsy. Essentially I'm 38 years old and I'm just learning this. It's really brought on by stress and lack of sleep is when I notice it the most when I have the biggest problems. I the way I was describing these episodes was it what it felt like when you walk around a corner and somebody jumps out at you and says boo, right? And you have that momentary freeze response where you have that momentary, not adrenaline rush, but this fear, right? Huh? And then it's crossed between that and that adrenaline rush where you feel it flow to your fingers and toes. And I was getting to the point where I was getting pins and needles in my right hand. When I was reading Lisa's bio, I didn't know anything about her epilepsy. And I mean, I had tears in my eyes. I think, didn't I, didn't I call you and tell you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I called and told Beth. I was like, oh my God, I had, I had no idea that Lisa had this. And, and I'm, I'm feeling like that's why I'm drawn to it right now. And knowing that the founder of this has, you know, has suffered from something that I am like for the very first time in my life experiencing. This has been this has been eye opening, and you know it it definitely comes back to my stress levels and how I how I navigate stress. And I think that neurosculpting is definitely going to be a huge part of you know a huge tool in my my arsenal um, when it comes to my toolbox of of navigating that. So
1: that's really interesting. Tom um, has seizures. I do know. I mean, he doesn't take medication or anything. He says that he can tell when now that he's an adult. Knows when an episode's going to happen, probably within two days of it happening, wow. um, and and starts to prepare himself for it just in case. And are they, like, uh, are they grand mal seizures? He's actually like losing his no, ability, like motor skills, and yeah, I, I mean they aren't. No, not grand mal. I can't remember what he said. I'll. um shoot, I almost want to run downstairs and ask him, but then he'll be embarrassed that I'm even talking about it. But I, I feel like he shouldn't be embarrassed because I'm so glad to hear about this because I'm definitely going to tell him about it and he would be 100%. And yeah, he, he seems like yoga. he would
0: really be into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He does yoga and meditates and I mean, he's better at it than I am. And I'm the yoga teacher. so um but that's wow that's really informative and very eye-opening conversation we're having yeah yeah it's you know I know for
0: me it was just things we had this whole conversation about manifestation a while back and it feels like part of that like like I'm, I'm getting exactly the information that I need when I need it because you know had I learned about you know, seizures and, and neurosculpting, like Lisa's, you know, I probably, I might've even read that, she, that that she had seizures a while ago and and never put it together because I wasn't having seizures. It's, it's really amazing the power that meditation has. And I think that's also part of why we were drawn to yoga and the power that we have to, you know, bring this modality into our lives and to other people's lives. And, um, yeah, I'm just so grateful for Beth for, for facilitating this this week. And, Um, I just wish it was available in my tiny town in Red
1: Lodge. And I look forward to doing some online stuff with you, Beth. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. So is there um, any work that for somebody who doesn't live near you, Beth, to be able to do that? Like, could you work over the phone or like what we're doing right now on um, Zoom and and help them out in in that kind of way or...
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. This can be done over, you know, through phone sessions, through Zoom sessions, online. It's really designed to teach you the tools so that once you understand the five-step process, you can utilize this at home on your own. Um, So that's what it's about is giving you tools, not making you dependent Upon something, in that you have to return. Now, I really love guided meditations. I love them even more than working through the practice myself. So, I have recorded a lot of meditations. And so, sometimes I'll just get up and turn that on, put my headphones on, and just go through a guided meditation. And I really encouraged retreat goers this weekend to record the meditations I was doing so that they could take them home and just walk through them. Um, And then, you know, once you have those, you can walk through them as much as you want to. And then once you have that that five-step process down, you can change that story in the middle of that five-step process for whatever it is that you want to work on. And then I think it's really beneficial in situations like you're talking about Sarah is that um, that somatic cue with the, the hand gesture. Yeah. You know, um, I wonder if you worked on that meditation long enough and rewrote that story long enough for yourself, had that somatic cue, if it could reverse those
1: you feel that coming on, those episodes coming yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, and especially at the beginning of the, I mean, I don't know who knows how long you've been having them, but if this is a new thing for your body, perhaps something like neurosculpting can reverse that, um, if it isn't something... Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, even for somebody like Tom that has been having them since he was in kindergarten, maybe... I mean, I don't know, but I know he would be totally into that.
0: And I, and I want to also like say that you don't have to be having seizures to try neurosculpting. Right. I mean, <laughs> meditation has always been something I've been super drawn to. And I'm I'm really grateful to my very first teacher training for, for not doing a single goddamn asana for the first like three weeks of it. But, you know, especially for people with monkey mind that say that meditation isn't any fun or they can't do it. I think this makes it a lot more accessible because... You know, those people that can't do it usually have more of an analytical mind. Uh, you know, I'm speaking from experience here. If I can't answer the reason why this is going to help me or why I'm doing it this way, and Beth really broke it down to, we're going to be doing this five-step process, and this is why, and this is, this is why your, you know, this part of your brain is going to be doing this, and this part of your brain is going to be doing that. And so when I do go into my analytical mind for a second and say, am I doing this right? I remember Beth telling me, there's none of that. You're you're doing it right because you're here. You don't even have to ask that question. And then that immediately draws me back to the meditation, which I think is really important.
1: And also the same type of people have have a tool to use once they're out of that specific, um, you know, best teaching them or something like that, where like uh, you were just explaining that it's something that you can use during the day that only you notice and that only you are using. Um, So that is kind of like a take home to that person that has that type of brain of, I need to know why, and I need to have this something in my hand, so to speak, to validate it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, Tally, should we,
0: should we have Beth lead us in a neurosculpting meditation? Yes, but I have something to say.
1: Oh, please do. <laughs> because um, last time we talked, I had gone to the naturopathic doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Tell me all about that. Yeah. And so it was very, I, you know, I was like, I'm interested in all the things, whatever you, because she does Chinese medicine, acupuncture, massage, cupping, you name it. And um, so I was just open to whatever she thought I needed. And I didn't, didn't even really know what I needed. And, you know, I say, as we joke around on this podcast that I can't burp. So it was like, I don't know, maybe something digestive, gaining weight. And I know it's stress, but you never know, is it something else? And so she was, looked at my tongue and all these things. And it was just really, really a great experience. Um, but one thing that I wasn't prepared for, and this ties, actually, this is perfect because it ties into neurosculpting. I, I'm guessing it does. I'm, I'm pretty sure it will once I say it. So you know how when you go to a doctor's office and you fill out questionnaires, family history, all of that. Well, I wrote down that my mom had ms and no. that she passed away six years ago, you know, just for that medical history. So I wasn't expecting this. Um, she apologizes, as you know, one does when you hear that. And then she looks right at me and I'm like, it's it's gutting to me um to even talk about it. Like I'm gonna tear up. She goes, She looks at me right in right in my eyes and says, Have you dealt with that? Oh. And I just I sat there. And of course, like now I'm tearing up. <laughs> um, I said, "No, I don't think I have." And I she's like, "You need to." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess you're right." I just because I just figured I knew she was going to pass away from it, so there was really nothing to deal with. And she's yeah. like, "You, you need to, you need to deal with it." And it's like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. And I know it it happened when she passed away. It happened in July. And I have been recognizing over the last six years that my behavior becomes very more wild, I guess, and angry. Yeah. And I, and I'm aware of that. Oh my God. I'm like crying and stuff. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. So she just looks at me asked if I've dealt with it and I just started crying and I said no and that I guess I need to and that
0: what does she mean by dealt with it like and what do you need to do to deal with it what do you feel like you need
1: I don't know because I knew she was going to die from it and I knew it was gonna happen I mean and then it ended up being when she was in the hospital and went septic and that they were saying days to two weeks to live. And of course her stubbornness held on for nine weeks. Right? Well, I, yeah, I, I
0: met her right after that or right, right after she was in the hospital.
1: Yeah. And I guess I just feel like I knew it was gonna happen. So I thought I dealt with it. I mean, I know that it, it sucks to lose a parent at a young age. For her to be, you know, I mean, it's not like she lived to be 80 or, you know, anything like that. I don't know, but it, it really hit me. And I don't know if it's something that I just have put away, but I know, I mean, I think about her every day and I miss her every day. Yeah. But I also just don't feel like I really had her for 20 years when she was diagnosed and just started going downhill. It, yeah. she wasn't my mom anymore so maybe it's just goes back to that well,
0: you you really became her caretaker at that point yeah yeah and you put a lot of your own life on hold and this is the first time I remember when we first went to Bali together when we well when we first went on our first retreat together and then we we did the Bali retreat like that was you finally being able to do your own life right and I think right. that you know knowing you and being your teacher and your mentor and your friend you know and obviously from the friend perspective i can be a little bit more bitchy to you about all of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> you are very indecisive because and i think that a lot of that has to come from the the fact that you could never make
1: plans before that's possible and it's just so ingrained because it it's been 20 years of my life that's, that's half your life, Tally. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. And it's not something that I ever considered. So I don't, I don't know what she meant. And so now, like hearing about neurosculpting and getting a large grasp of—I mean, I don't grasp it at all. At the same time, just learning it, um, yeah. that I'm very interested in, wanting to know more, and if that is something that could help me unlock some door of something that could be, I don't know why I am the way I am. (laughs) Knowing you,
0: knowing, like, I know you, I feel like you and I know each other better than most people know people, you know? Yeah. Um, We've been a lot in a lot of compromising situations together. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know the things that I push you on the most and I get irritated with you about, you know, I'm going to get irritated with you about because you already know those things about yourself, but you, you don't change them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And when you, you're stubborn as hell. So when you like your mom so yeah. when you decide that you're going to do something, you just fucking do it. But it takes a lot of push for you to just decide you want to do something. And I, I don't know, maybe Beth can chime in here, but I, I feel like maybe her, her pathway is that she can't make plans because there's a lot of uncertainty and you talked about the scarf model.
2: Mm-hmm. So this is, this was a really interesting revelation for me in my training And I passed this learning on to the retreat goers this weekend, and it's called the SCARF model. And it's um, by a neuroscientist named David Rock, who founded the Neuroleadership Institute. And the SCARF model is this idea that the SCARF are these factors that when our prefrontal cortex is challenged by them, we instantly go into the limbic part of our brain into the fight flight or freeze center and so the s is um it stands for our status so it's our status in our career or our status in a certain situation and if we feel that that status is challenged the c is for certainty um and so this is the idea that if a situation if we think that something is going to happen a certain way or if we planned things to be a certain way, or our reality is perceived a certain way and it changes, then our sense of certainty is challenged. And A stands for autonomy, which we probably all understand is the idea that, you know, we don't feel like we're autonomous and we're having freedom of choice. And Mm -hmm. R is our sense of relatedness, so our sense of community, our sense of bonding, our sense of having friendships and relationships that we relate to. And the F stands for fairness, whether we're feeling that a situation is fair and whether it's fair to us or sometimes fair in a greater sense to the world. If we don't feel that things are fair, it really challenges our sense of being. And these five things are not necessarily a situation where we need to examine and be in a fight, flight, or freeze state, but... They will make us go into that, and so for some people, certain ones trigger people more than others. So it seems like for that that situation that Sarah is talking about, it's like a sense of certainty. Feeling triggered with that sense of certainty, um, and and not wanting to have that sense of certainty challenged, could be something that is causing you to go into that state of being limbic, and then not
0: being able to. Plan? Yeah. Make the decision because Tally, I feel like a lot of your life has been in limbo.
1: Yeah, that's true. When we
0: came back from Bali one time and you were like, I'm going to go get my master's in education. I was like, sure she is. And she fucking did it, man. In a year, a <laughs> year. I was blown away. So I know that you have it in you. I just don't know how to flip the switch for you. But something happened on that trip that flipped the switch for you. And it was the first time you got to explore and you you talked about your mom a lot on that trip. And I, I do remember that a lot.
1: Yeah. Cause I think it had, it hadn't even been a year, Yeah,
0: but it was, it was her death that gave you the freedom, unfortunately, for you to do that trip. Right. I mean, that was a big, that was a big shift for you when we did that. And I think that's part of why you and I have this, this deep love and affection for Bali because of what it brought to your life and, and what it brought to my life. And, you know that was that was your mom's gift to you, you true know, to let you you know she she left this life so that you could have one
1: yeah well and i guess maybe that's why i thought i didn't need to deal with it and so when she said that it was like you know i really haven't dealt with her death really yeah outside of like oh i do have that freedom now um, but I don't know. I mean, it's got, you're right. Like maybe all of those things are connected and I don't know. I'm, I'm just really interested. It just sounds like the neurosculpting meditation is something that, well, obviously probably everyone needs.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to be fucked up like me and Tally to enjoy it. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is funny because wasn't it, I don't remember which, which episode where I was like, why is everybody focus on trauma all the time? And now <laughs> like, I have trauma. <laughs> I'm not dealing with it. So that's kind of right. Like, came back to bite me in the ass.
0: <laughs> oh, well, on that note, maybe Beth's neurosculpting can bite you on the ass. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. A little ass-biting. A little ass-biting neurosculpting session about to occur. Well, we hope you enjoy this meditation with Beth Glaskevich, who is a neurosculpting facilitator. Yeah? If
2: you want to find out more about neurosculpting, you can go to the Neurosculpting Institute.com, and they are located in Denver, and they have a plethora of classes with which you can choose from. And I am located in
0: Steamboat Springs and am offering a bunch of classes as well in that area. And we'll make sure to post Beth's website information and contact information on our Facebook page so that you guys can listen to it. But so this has been, uh, this is Sarah Russell. I'm Tally. <laughs> um, and this is Namaste and Rose, and we thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this meditation with Beth.
3: This meditation is the induction meditation, which is the first two steps of the neurosculpting process. This is its own meditation where you will calm your limbic brain by reminding it that your needs are met, and then you will explore your body by bringing awareness there and noticing how this feels. This will bring candy to the prefrontal cortex. Just this meditation alone will increase your focused awareness and attention and will also calm your limbic brain and calm your central nervous system, bringing you to a parasympathetic state. Just know that as you go through this process, you can't do this wrong. Just play pretend and everything will work out just fine. When you are ready, I invite you to close your eyes and allow your body to get as comfortable as you need to. If you were to bring your awareness to your breath, to the depth and the speed right now, what would you notice? No forcing or changing just simply noticing and as you breathe in and out perhaps you notice the first moment that you detect breath Maybe for you that is at your nostrils, maybe that is down your throat, or maybe you feel your lungs filling up. breathing in and out you might also notice you can track the expansion and contraction of your lungs noting the repetitious pattern of filling and emptying as you relax even more Breathing and settling, you might notice that your belly rises and falls in synchronicity with your repetitious breath. perhaps with just a little awareness, you might begin to deepen your inhale and deepen your exhale, allowing you to relax and to settle into your space just a little more. Breathing in and out, you might begin to notice that this cycle can happen with or without your attention for each and every moment that you are alive. Perhaps you might begin to allow your bones to settle more deeply, noticing that you are completely and fully supported by gravity. And as gravity holds you, you can begin to allow your muscles to relax breathing itself and gravity supporting you in each moment you might bring your attention to all the ways in which your needs are met Perhaps you notice that you are nourished with access to food and water. Maybe you notice the comfortable temperature of the room or the supportive cushioning underneath you. Or perhaps for you, that might be something different. Breath continues to breathe itself. Gravity continues to hold you. And for this moment, your needs are met and you are safe. So you might take comfort knowing that you can move and direct your awareness anywhere you would like to direct it and your needs will continue to remain met. Breath will continue to breathe itself. So perhaps for this next idea You experiment with bringing your awareness to the inside of your left eyelid. Perhaps that's a sensation that you feel, or maybe you imagine that place in your mind's eye. Your breath still breathes itself body is supported by gravity. Or maybe you noticed the very tip of your nose. When was the last time you thought and discovered the very tip of your nose? Or maybe you bring your awareness to a part of your body that you have never discovered before. Where might that be? I invite you now to begin to bring your awareness back to gravity, still holding you. Maybe noticing a little bit more of your surroundings Bringing your awareness back to your breath, still breathing itself, bringing your awareness back into your present moment. And I invite you to start to bring gentle movement back into your fingers and into your toes if you would like. And only when you're ready, you can open your eyes and end your meditation.